And I often tell the story that when Beth and I first came to Faithful and True, the thing that was so encouraging was just seeing Mark and Deb together. And yeah, it wasn't, they too. were just surviving. Like you could see the pain and they just kind of limped into the space. That it was truly that they were thriving as individuals and as a couple and just their presence cast a, a vision of hope. Right. And so, you know, when couples are able to be around other couples that have really gone through the pit and found their way through, there is a significant message of hope. Today and Greg, as we promised last week, we have again with us Susie Smith from our staff here at Faithful and True to continue the conversation about the three-legged stool. Yeah, and you know we talked last time of this idea of the three-legged stool here at Faithful and True represents the men's recovery, the women's recovery, as well as the couples' recovery. And one thing that just needs to be mentioned is we have organized around that. That here at Faithful and True, we have a workshop specifically for men that we do every month. We have a workshop that we do for women who are in relationship with men who struggle with sexual addiction that we do three or four times a year. And then we also have a couples workshop that we do three or four times a year. Mm -hmm. So this isn't just something that we you know, talk about it significant enough that we organize so that we can support and help couples as they are working through each of these three-legged stools. And we kind of mentioned this last time that more and more we're having women who will come to the women's workshop whose husbands have had no contact with Faithful and True, and they're the ones that begin and lead their recovery journey. Um, And we also know that for a lot of the men who do find their ways to our our workshop, it's actually the wife that did some research that found Faithful and True online. And then um, one of the things that we say is a wife cannot sign her husband up for the workshop. That is something he has to do himself. (laughs) Despite Um, their efforts. Yeah, the wife absolutely can do the research to find out more about it and then offer it as a possibility to her husband. And that organizing you're talking about, Greg, is kind of surprising, I think, sometimes to clients where the couples workshop is actually the third piece. Mm -hmm. It's actually the last piece. And uh, either, either he comes first, she comes first, um, ideally, then the other person comes to their individual workshop. Then, after a period of time, they come to the couple's workshop. Right. And um, that's more about equipping couples with tools for communicating, seven desires, those kinds of things. Our couple's workshop isn't like the the triage right. spot. Yeah, I would say that the way that we've organized the couple's workshop it's not intended to be an entry point into recovery. That's good, um, yeah. And there are, there are many points where a couple will call and um, want to come to the couple's workshop. And what's true is we don't have any contact with them. You know, previously, they've not been a part of Faithful and True. Um, and what we discover is they've done their own work. They found some other resources. They've been sure. on the journey for a while. So we have some preliminary questions that we ask just to kind of assess where they are. Because what we've seen and what we've experienced that if a couple comes to the couple's workshop and they really haven't addressed some of these individual issues, 
instead of it being helpful, it actually becomes much more chaotic. Mm -hmm. And we want there to be some stability and some awareness and some conversations that have already occurred prior to coming to the couple's workshop. And Randy kind of mentioned this, that um, in our last podcast, that sometimes a, a, a man or a woman will call and want to get couples counseling, and they've not been necessarily a part of our experience here. We may see them, but what we're going to do is really emphasize the importance of them starting to work on their own journeys and their own experiences. And while um, they are getting that support, then eventually they can begin to do the couple's work. But it it's, doesn't necessarily have to be significantly delayed. You know, we know that there are some programs out there that may encourage you don't work on the coupleship for six months or a year. Right. That's not our philosophy. No. In fact, we would say that you begin the couple's work when the wife is at a place where she is ready for there to be some couple's work. But the type of couple's work you do is dependent upon how much support mm -hmm. each of them is getting individually. And some of those early couple's appointments are just about managing the chaos that's happening at home and creating safety mm. and doing some of the just basic boundaries or um, hearing their pain, you know, uh, those early look way different than later mm -hmm. couples work. Well, Oops. and I often say that recovery is like learning a brand new language. And yeah. we need to learn it individually. We need to learn our own language and grow in that and then bring that to the coupleship. And sometimes the couples counselor is kind of like a translator um, or a mentor or a coach to help someone in the coupleship learn a new language in their relationship. Mm -hmm. We all know how to do it the old way, and that really hasn't been very productive so we really want to encourage the couple to figure out what is a new way that we can talk to each other and interact with each other. What are new ways that we can evaluate our yeah. relationship? And if we have other people helping us and supporting us, it's one of those things where we can, we can learn a new language by some app on our phone, but we are much better at it when we have a tutor and we are practicing it and we have support and we're taking it in classes and we're speaking it with others. So we really do want the individuals, the couple, uh, the uh, man's part of the stool and the wife's part of the stool, they're really getting a lot of support because what we know is in the couple space, that is the more challenging place to be in our recovery. Mm -hmm. And there are a number of couples when they first come to us, either maybe him or her, uh, who are separated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The, the dis discovery has created either an immediate separation or eventual separation. And so that becomes couples' work, too, to help that separation become redemptive. Mm -hmm. we, have, we have that on our website, right? The Redemptive yeah. Separation PDF, right. um, where... A wife comes to me and says, we're separated. That's always going to be something I'm going to talk to her about is, would you be interested, willing, in hearing about making this separation productive, um, structured, uh, redemptive, so that good things are happening in it. It's not just her hanging out over here, him hanging out over here, and kind of nobody knowing what's going on. Right. But and it isn't our uh, experience here, though, because I've heard you say this before, so I, I, I know it's true that 
If the husband has come to the men of valor workshop or the men's workshop and the wife has come to the women's, they're just in a better, more receptive place to come to the couples. They're, they're like they have been groomed to to take in what they'll learn at the couples workshop because that workshop is more about relation relationships. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not really a sexual addiction model. It's a. It's based on Mark and Debbie's book, Seven Desires, in, in helping them reach new heightened uh, levels of communication with each other. Right. And one of the things I, I tell people about our couples workshop is that, like you've said, it's not a, specifically about sex addiction. It is about couples learning how to, to navigate complex issues, be safe for each other, and really nurture intimacy. It just so happens all of the couples there are navigating the chaos and pain of betrayal so there's almost immediately a community that is created because there's this shared experience. Mm -hmm. um, and in that, I think that there's a sense of safety. Um, there are times where you go on a marriage retreat and there's almost a pressure to feel as if everything is good and kind of project that image. And I often um, suggest to couples that that's not what we do here. In fact, we encourage couples to come wherever they are and we do have couples who are separated who come to the couples workshop because what they're trying to determine is how do we move back towards each other or what might our next steps be. And so we don't expect couples to come because they're in a great place. Right. We actually encourage couples to come when they're in a difficult place and they are in an open place. That mm -hmm. open piece, I think, is really significant in the couple moving forward. And one of the pieces that's really important before a couple comes to the couple's workshop is that the wife feels like she knows the story. Mm -hmm. And that's one of our prerequisites, uh, that she's not going to come to the couple's workshop and find out what she doesn't know already. Uh, we want to make sure the husband has already offered her the information, the full disclosure, so that like what you're saying, we can focus on the next piece. Well, and another fact, I, I heard Mark and Deb talk about how they they saw it where a couple would come, have a great experience at the couple's workshop, and then later the wife would discover that she didn't know everything, and it really set them back. It, it created mm -hmm. chaos later on. And so if there can be a certain level of confidence that they're coming to the couple's workshop and the acting out behavior is out there. The history is out there. She's coming with an awareness of what she is dealing with. Then she may be in a difficult, painful place, but she's at least in the place of truth, which then helps them to begin to build a foundation. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to the separation piece that you mentioned, yeah. because for a lot of couples, and we've done podcasts on separation and redemptive separation. Yeah. I know there's an old core belief that separation always leads to divorce. Right. And for some couples, they see separation as a failure. And yet we see it over and over again. If there's so much pain, if there's so much chaos, if there's so much hurt, that sometimes separation is what is needed just to create enough safety to begin to heal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you mentioned this, and part of what we want to do is coach a couple on how do you steward your separation. Because just right. being separated is not enough. Right. And a, a lot of couples who come to us are kind of stuck in that separated place. So it's not just being separated, but it's knowing how to steward the separation so that it can be redemptive, and then you can determine and assess 
what your next steps might be. Yeah. And usually one person is not very happy that they're separated. Mm -hmm. And it's not always the husband, you know, sometimes it's the wife. And so it's helping that person embrace the work so that it can be productive. Yeah. And I think one of the concerns that people have is when we are separated, how will my spouse know how I'm doing? You know, um, the husband's working his recovery. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing, um, but they're separated and they have limited contact. He has this concern that she's not going to know what I'm doing. And one of the things I want to reassure him is she will know whatever contact she has with you, um, she can experience you as being different, even if it's for a 15-minute passing off of the kids from one to the other Um, there can still be an awareness that something has shifted. And when the wife is interested, when she feels safe enough or open enough to be interested, then she can ask the questions that she has or she can spend more time. But being separated isn't wasting time or wasting time in the marriage. It's actually working on it. Because if either individual, the wife or the husband, choose to work on themselves and their own journey, they are actually working on the marriage itself. And really, the redemptive separation model is just like the three stools, where it's taking the marriage um, focus off for, for a season to have him do his work, her do her work, so that they can come back to do couples work. Mm-hmm. And so that puts the three-legged school, stool back in focus. Mm-hmm. And Greg, you mentioned the kids. I can only imagine the impact and complication that children add to this scenario. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's like, you know, in, in the chaos of the coupleship, it's the the just logistics of it, you know, mm-hmm. that trying to navigate the, the kids and how do we provide for them? You know, it's just a simple thing. But if, you know, he's trying to get his support and she's trying to get her support, and then they're trying to get support as a couple. When there are children, especially small children, you know, one of the questions that we get is, how do you do this? You know, mm-hmm. how do you navigate all of this, both logistically, but also financially? And the reality is, what we just see is when we are able to prioritize it and do whatever we have to, you know, that's one of the principles of recovery is do whatever you have to do to make it work. We do see significant transformation in individuals and also in the coupleship. But absolutely, Randy, navigating the presence of children in the recovery process can be very complex. And that model is, that's written into the model where we're, we're prioritizing, minimizing impact on the kids. kids. Mm -hmm. We know they will be impacted, but minimizing as much as possible the the pain for them. And what's interesting is Many people hear that, and what they hear minimizing meaning is denial. Oh, no, no, no. And that is not what we mean at all. In fact, we know that denial, avoidance is actually incredibly painful. Right. But to acknowledge and then to create systems where they're not carrying the full weight of this chaos, I think that's the way that we serve our children. Well, an example of that would be if it's a couple with young children, we're going to discuss, try to figure out, could they do an in-house separation effectively rather than one of the parents moving out of the house so that the kids get to have both parents 
at home. Mm-hmm. And we also hear stories Sometimes of not. <laughs> the, there's, there being like an apartment, there being the house where the kids are, and the parents are the ones that are switching. Move back So and the, the children are always in their space, oh. they're always available to their school and their friends, and the, ki- the parents are the ones that are moving back and forth, mm-hmm. and that would be an example of trying to create stability and also acknowledging the reality of what is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're encouraging a wife to determine whether or not she might might be ready to consider couples work, what are some of the, the factors that you're looking for or that you're encouraging her to consider? Because I know that kind of what we said in the last podcast, for a lot of wives, they may be even resistant to getting help, believing that this is their husband's issue. But maybe they're getting some support, but they're not quite sure they're ready to put their toe into, as we say, the couple's hoop. What might be some ways to encourage her or to assess if she's ready? I like to talk about safety. You know, they she's established safety in her individual counseling. She's maybe joined a group where she's experiencing safety. And um, then, you know... She's also uh, frustrated, usually, about ways they can't get along at home or things that aren't working well at home. And it's kind of like our counselor did, just kind of gently, well, we could help you with that. You know, we could, the four of us could sit down. Maybe he's met my husband or Chris or somebody that's one of the male counselors here, yourself. Um, and so they, everybody already knows somebody Mm -hmm. in the four, foursome, and then there's safety in sitting down and saying, okay, they've helped us individually. Maybe they can help us with, uh, some of these relationship issues that we're having. And I do think that that safety piece is huge. And one of the beliefs I think sometimes we have is that somebody else can create safety for me. So if my spouse were just to do this or my spouse mm-hmm. would react this way, then I could be safe. The problem with that strategy is if someone else is ever responsible for my safety, then I can never be safe. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I must be responsible for my safety, acknowledging that the choices that other people make either contribute to my safety or um, reduce my safety, but they're still not responsible for it. And so I think when we have confidence that no matter how my spouse might respond or what happens in that appointment that ultimately I can still be safe. I may be sad. I may be hurt. I may be angry and I can still be safe. When I can carry that my safety into an appointment, I'm much more likely to go into it. Mm -hmm. But if I have a belief that my safety is dependent on what happens in the appointment or how my spouse responds, then I'm never going to have the sure footing that I'm looking for. And usually wouldn't it be true? Both people are uh, working on that concept that I can create my own safety. They're, they're um, not firm in it. They're not solid often in it. And so knowing that the person I sit with individually can come in with me mm-hmm. and, and be there as my support, right. and he has his support, um, maybe it's like a, a crutch. Maybe right. that's a bad word, but... Well, well, and for a time, it it does create having this third person or these other two people absolutely has the possibility of creating safety. Whether 
their role is to be a, a fair witness or their role is to be a negotiator or an interpreter or sometimes a referee. Mm-hmm. But just knowing that we're not alone on our we're not alone on our own trying to figure it out can be incredibly helpful. Um, and one of the things um, there are times working with a couple that it it gets intense. I mean, mm-hmm. just just the nature of it. Yes, and it does. one of the the best gifts that a, a counselor or a therapist can give is helping them bring it back in and and kind of gather themselves and be reminded of the truth. So it, it doesn't mean that what happened in the session didn't happen. It was still painful. It was still chaotic. But we can encourage people kind of putting it back together enough so that they can go to whatever is next. And having that support in real time can be incredibly meaningful because what we're doing is we're modeling or we're demonstrating that I can have a very painful, difficult conversation with my spouse and still function in the rest of my day. Mm -hmm. And without that encouragement, sometimes we can be left believing I can't recover from this, so therefore this is going to define me for the rest of this day or this week or whatever it is. Yeah. And the message that I think we seek to communicate, which and, and the message Russ and I got in our counseling with Mark and Debbie was there's a way through this. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, a, this is a couple in the room with us who found a way through this. Um, and so there must be a way through it for us as well. Right. Well, and I think one of the gifts um, that we do give people when they are willing to come to Faithful and True is a lot of the leadership have been on the journey individually and as couples that we don't just talk about the three-legged stool that we we have sought to live it we have yeah so when we talk about it being difficult it's not because we read it in a textbook we experience the difficulty and when we talk about hope it's not because someone told us it was hopeful we've experienced the hope Mm -hmm. and there is something and i often tell the story that when beth and i first came to faithful and true the thing that was so encouraging was just seeing Mark and Deb together. And it wasn't, they were just surviving. Like you could see the pain and they just kind of limped into the space that it was truly that they were thriving as individuals and as a couple and just their presence cast a, a vision of hope. Right. And so, you know, when couples are able to be around other couples that have really gone through the pit and found their way through, there is a significant message of hope there. And many times it is about timing. It's about people being open and people being ready. And there is this piece where we talk to couples about where um, the spouse is never, never responsible for the addiction. The husband, in our case, is always responsible for his actions, his choices, the consequences. And so until he is willing to take ownership for that, it is really difficult for the couple to move forward. Because what happens is, when there is confidence that the husband is owning his addiction, then that creates space for each of them to own other ways that they've contributed chaos to the relationship. Because we both contribute to the coupleship. And um, once we are addressing the addiction, then there's space to address some of these other issues of chaos in the relationship that need healing. Um, And once a spouse is confident that the husband is owning it, my experience is there's more openness to begin looking at some of the other chaos that's in the coupleship. 
Yeah, it's kind of like part one, part two, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't mind saying that was a great summation <laughs> of this podcast. Did you have anything else you wanted no. to add at the end of that, Susie? We thank you so much for yeah, joining thanks. us for two podcasts, uh, and we're really appreciative of that. Uh, we hope that this uh, two-part podcast on the three-legged stool has been beneficial to you as an individual or as a couple. Uh, for more information about that, um, visit faithfulandtrue.com, or once again, if you haven't been to the Men of Valor uh, workshop or the Women's Journey workshop, or if you have interest as a couple in the couples workshop, all the information can be found at faithfulandtrue.com, and we uh, invite you to take a good look, register. We'd love to have you come to our center. Uh, again, we'd like to invite you to visit the Faithful and True YouTube channel, where we're now doing these podcasts, both an audio version and a video version. And we uh, appreciate you uh, viewing and listening to these podcasts. Until we join you again next week, we'd like to thank you. We'd like to invite you to uh, subscribe to our channel and uh, click that like button. We really uh, appreciate that a lot. Until then, we'd like to uh, wish you a week that's filled with many blessings and with great vision.